I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. And of course, today we're going to be talking about COVID-19 and an information line that is accessible to you if you think you have COVID-19. And and we're talking today to Carrie Palacanis. She's the executive director of Connect Care with Intermountain Healthcare. Carrie, thank you for joining us. I so appreciate your time today. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. You know, there's a lot of um, questions, especially about the signs and symptoms of COVID-19. And I was thinking about putting my parent uh, hat on, you know, my doctor mom or our doctor dad hat. Often we're trained to look for other things and we've been familiar with colds when we're treating our children or anyone in our family. But since this is a new virus, we're not sure what to watch for and when to raise the flag. So let's talk about the specific signs and symptoms that we should be looking for with COVID-19. Well, with COVID-19, actually the signs and symptoms mimic that of a cold or flu. Uh, It's actually very difficult to tell the difference between influenza and COVID-19 because the symptoms are similar. The the three prime symptoms that we look for are going to be cough, which is mostly a dry cough, shortness of breath, and a fever typically about 101 or above. Now, those symptoms are also present with influenza, so that's what makes it more complex and difficult for us to evaluate in the clinical world. Um, then, of course, in addition, if you've had exposure to someone who has a laboratory-confirmed coronavirus, that's going to increase your risk. And we were looking at travel to certain countries, but now that we have coronavirus in our community here in Salt Lake, it's possible that you cannot have traveled and still have exposure. Right. And we've been seeing it in Summit County and Salt Lake County and now Utah County as well. And and this is typical in some sense to that we're so interconnected human beings, right? It's not like we're siloed into one little place. So it's typical that if we do have some type of disease or illness that is spread like coronavirus, that we'll start seeing it spread into most likely every county in Utah. Is that right? Is that what we should be expecting? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I know um, we had several cases in Bear River yesterday. Uh, At this point, I think it's a fair assumption that the virus is available in any of the counties within Utah. Whether or not we are getting positive tests from those counties, the spread has occurred within the communities. Well, and let's talk about the the 
the resource we have for a bit with Connect Care. I know we have about 20, 25 minutes in total together, and I appreciate having your expertise because we all are trying to learn, again, so much more about this new virus and what we should do. But for many years since the debut of the Connect Care app, if I've been in a situation where I'm unable to go to a clinic and it's more convenient for me to call in and use Connect Care, the app, through my smartphone or for my laptop, I've been using this tool to be able to directly connect to healthcare providers wherever I'm at, whether I'm at work or I'm at home. So let's talk about the Connect Care app itself. Yeah, you described a perfect example of the beauty of Connect Care. You can access it from wherever it is convenient for you. You can download the app for free on the in the app store for your phone or online. You can go directly through web-based access to the Connect Care service. Um, the thing that I always like to emphasize about Connect Care is if we do not treat you, we do not charge you for our services. So we can't guarantee that every person that connects with Connect Care we can serve through our app. Um, that being because some conditions really can't be treated effectively with a um, telehealth visit. But we do see a lot of common conditions and um, colds and flus and upper respiratory symptoms and um, skin conditions and gosh, a whole variety of conditions that we do treat on Connect Care. But uh, about 25% of the time, we don't, uh, we waive the fee for the Connect Care visit because it's somebody that we are going to refer on to another level of service, either in person with their primary care provider or in person in urgent care or an emergency room. So I'll just give that example. I've opened up my smartphone and I've opened up my Connect Care app. And by the way, there's a, a few steps you take to set up. You can even attach your insurance information to that Connect Care app. And then um, within a minute or so, it feels like it's populated with look at these different um, healthcare providers that you could talk to. And then it gives you a waiting time, the longest I have ever waited. And maybe it's a little bit longer now because we have more people with concerns and questions about COVID-19, but it's been about like a minute or two minutes. The next minutes, the next thing I know, I'm uh, looking at the face of a healthcare provider and having that direct, direct consult. What I loved about that is that sometimes we think about going into a healthcare clinic waiting room, and that, to me, is a group or a crowd of people that might be dealing with other illnesses and diseases that I don't want to be exposed to. So this allows me to have that chat, right? I mean, that's a, a, a real a benefit is just staying home and away from the crowds. Absolutely, especially with concerns about the COVID virus and the need for social distancing and for folks that are on self-isolation. The wonder of Connect Care is that you can have that complete visit experience from your home or work environment. After the visit, if you are um, in need of a prescription and the uh, Connect Care provider has made that determination, they will actually send the, the prescription directly into your pharmacy so that you can just go from your home or work environment to the pharmacy to pick it up. And uh, yes, wait times typically uh, run under five minutes. I won't deny that in the past couple of weeks, it's been a little bit difficult with the uh, volume of individuals that have been trying to access resources through Connect Care. One of the things that we've done to reduce the wait time is to make sure that we have the 24-hour health answers um, Connect Care COVID line available that for folks that just have questions about screening or who want to um, potentially get a test. And that gives another avenue for folks to get COVID assistance and then frees up the Connect Care providers for treating folks with other conditions 
Um, we have increased the number of providers that we have on Connect Care right now, and we continue to staff up to try to meet the needs and reduce the wait time as much as possible. Well, Carrie, obviously, I'm very grateful that you brought that up because let's step back for just a minute. I should bring us back and say, okay, we've talked about the signs and the symptoms of COVID-19, fever, cough, shortness of breath, and often mimicking some of the other uh, influenzas that we have seen um, in the past Uh, I shall say viruses we've seen in the past. Now we're concerned where let's talk big picture resources. You mentioned that there is a phone line Uh, that's you said it's manned 24 hours, seven days a week. Yes, both Connect Care and our Health Answers phone line are 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, The Health Answers line is the number is 1-844-442-5224. And that phone line is, goes directly to a registered nurse who would then be able to help you identify if you're having symptoms of COVID or if you have other health issues that you want to address with them. They can also refer for testing. We're following the CDC guidelines for screening. And uh, once, the, once they go through the screening protocols, if they determine that the risk is uh, available for you to be tested, they will refer you to a local test site. Most of our testing centers right now are performing what we call drive-up testing, which means that we send the order over and you will go into the parking lot and either they have drive-through lanes in the already set up or you notify the Instacare by phone that you're in the lot and they come out and do your testing while you're in your car so that you don't potentially go into the waiting room and expose others. Mm. And and so what are some of the things you said a registered nurse uh, would answer that COVID-19 information line? And I'll give the phone number again. It's 844-442-5224. What are the things the nurse is looking for in terms of triaging to decide whether or not that individual or one of us would then move on to be tested? There's actually on the Utah Department of Health a screening tool that anybody can go to, a COVID screening tool, and it's looking for, as we talked about, those symptoms, those triad of symptoms, as well as do you have an underlying health condition, have you had an exposure history, and really everybody has at this point, I want to say, a low risk of potential COVID exposure if they've been out and about in the community and they have symptoms. But what we're trying to do is uh, assess priority levels to individuals based on their health conditions because we frankly don't have enough COVID testing uh, available right now in the state, actually, even nationally. And so they are prioritizing the running of test results to individuals that have underlying health conditions. Certainly somebody who's in the hospital is going to get their test run um, as a priority over somebody in the outpatient setting because as you're aware, there, there is no treatment for the coronavirus. It's really about whether or not we're going to encourage you to stay home or not. Um, or if you're in the hospital, then we're trying to look for more closely for development of respiratory con- considerations that might require more treatment. And you say underlying health conditions. I know um, I'm a recently treated cancer patient. I realize that I'm in one of those subgroups. I've also heard that individuals with diabetes or heart disease, um, compromised immune systems, that's some of that special category of individuals you may be um, uh, giving more access to testing. Is, Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. And individuals over the age of 60, we have higher concerns with because they tend not to do as well with coronavirus as younger individuals do. 
Um, but there is a, a specific list of health conditions, and they're really the chronic conditions that might be debilitate your ability to function every day. Um, but each person is evaluated individually. It's dependent upon who their personal background. And then even if you do fall into a low cry, priority for testing, the test sample can be taken. I just want folks to be aware that it may not be run in a very timely manner because we do have to make sure that we're t- testing individuals that need it most or that we can and that we have the most concern about whether or not they can get through coronavirus with minimal symptoms and problems and the outcomes. And I think that's helpful also to know that so that we have the correct expectations as we're trying to figure out where do we get information about my own individual health. So you mentioned that the COVID-19 information line is open 24 hours, seven days a week. That phone number again is 844 844- 442-5224. The Intermountain Healthcare Connect Care app is also available 24 hours, seven days a week through your laptop with a video camera or for through your smartphone with uh, internet access. You're looking for those type of tools. Where does the role of the primary care provider fit in to that triaging? Do When do we reach out to that primary care provider if we're concerned about our symptoms? We have been encouraging folks that are concerned about their symptoms to call through the health answers line first. The primary care providers are also concerned about folks coming into their environments with potential COVID and exposing their other patients. Um, There are many primary care providers that if you call the office, they will refer you back to the coronavirus screening line um, or they may refer you to, to Connect Care. If a primary care provider is comfortable doing the screening themselves or if they feel comfortable enough having patients come to their office, they'll let you know. But what I'm finding more and more is that the primary care providers are asking patients to be screened first before they come to the office. And they, too, are just trying. Everybody is trying to make sure that folks are isolating themselves and we are social distancing and doing what we can not to um, encourage spread of any of the health conditions, whether it's coronavirus or, or cold or flu symptoms that are out this time of the year. For those of you joining us, this is Carrie Palacanos. She's the executive director of Connect Care. That's a telehealth program that is available to our community um, it, through Intermountain Healthcare. So Connect Care. Well, let's talk. You mentioned about the some of the things that we can do. I, I know that we've been concerned not only Intermountain Healthcare, but our partners throughout the community of the anxiety level that individuals feel, that sense of being closed into their house, maybe working from home. This is an, ex- um, an, an extraordinary situation. And one of the things we've been trying to communicate is there are things you can do um, to lower the risk. There are things that you can do to impact the way the coronavirus moves through our community. There are things you can do to protect yourself. So, Carrie, I'd like to tap into your expertise. Let's talk about some of the things. You mentioned social distancing. What does that mean to you? Basically that right now we're we're discouraging folks from being in groups of 10 or more individuals whenever possible. And then if you are in a crowd, to try to maintain about a six-foot distance between yourself and another individual. The reason being is that the coronavirus uh, spread it requires prolonged contact for at close distances, and close distances are usually uh, six feet or less. Now, the virus can live on surfaces as well, um, and for that reason, the primary way to combat that condition or any uh, viral condition is proper hand washing. Hand wash for about 20 seconds with some warm water and soap. You want to sing the happy birthday song, that's usually about 20 seconds long, 
um, make sure that you wash well between your fingers and that, as I said, you rinse it with soap and water. Definitely wash before you eat anything. Avoid touching your face at all possible. And then don't go out into the public unless you have to. And it's becoming a little bit easier these days since they've closed pretty much all of the stores and the restaurants are now at takeout only. And um, So there isn't a lot of places for folks to go. But if you do go outside, make sure when you come back in that you're using appropriate hand-washing technique. If you have hand sanitizer, you can use that as well. But you don't even need hand sanitizer if you have soap and water. Mm, I, I appreciate that. One of the things we've talked about is to take care of your whole self, your mental and physical health. And we've even recommended going for walks, not in groups, right? But, you know, um, going out and getting some of that fresh air. Is there a concern? I mean, is that still a healthy thing to do as long as we maintain a six-foot social distance? Absolutely. I mean, I think walks are great. And the other thing that while there's a lot of – activities that are closed the national parks are all still open um so you can go take a day in the park if you have time off um but you know maintaining those hygiene principles and social distances while you're doing that is very important you know one of the hygiene uh, tips that i just had to be reminded by by my two and a half year old granddaughter this week was when you cough or sneeze we used to be trained to cough or sneeze in our hands and that's not so. So talk to us about my my little granddaughter said, no, Nona, like this. And she um, coughed right into her elbow. <laughs> so yes, into, into your elbow or into your sleeve is the best way to do that. And don't use Kleenexes or to, what do I want to say? Um, handkerchiefs. Handkerchiefs. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're, don't see them too often anymore, but handkerchiefs are great vectors of bacteria and viruses. So try not to use those. If you do use a tissue, make sure you throw it away and wash your hands after you throw it away. But if you can, if you have to cough or sneeze, cough or sneeze into your sleeve because you're less likely to transmit bacteria or viruses in that manner. Same with handshaking. You know, we're discouraging handshaking at this point. And a lot of, you'll see folks out there doing elbow bumps now or um, just saying hi and nodding to each other. We're we're just trying to reduce the amount of bacteria and viruses that we pass through our hands. And even as you mentioned that, it uh, reminded me of a cute little viral video of an Italian grandma saying, just try use winking. Instead of handshaking, (laughs) use the wink. (laughs) I saw that video. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) She said, haven't I always told you to wash your hands, right? Wash your hands more. These are things we've been telling you years after years. I want to go back to the handkerchief because, of course, that's in that video as well. The handkerchief, in other words, we sneeze or cough into that handkerchief. We fold it back up. It's holding on to that, the right, what we just sneezed and coughed into it and, and just becoming almost like a sponge for germs. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then people frequently put them into their pockets and then that contaminates the pocket environment. It's just not a good hygiene practice. If you if you do feel you need to use some form of a barrier, use a tissue and, as I said, throw it away and wash your hands afterwards, because even if you're using a tissue, the tissues are somewhat porous and you're going to have material come through them that you want to wash off your hands. Many of us are working at home. And in fact, one of those that is spending much more time of broadcasting from one of my guest rooms uh, in our house. But let's talk about what surfaces, I mean, what kind of disinfecting should we be doing? Is are, Are we overdoing it if we're wiping down everything with Lysol a couple of times a day? Or what's your recommendation? Well, if you're at home and you've cleaned it once and you're 
practicing good hygiene and social distancing habits, you're probably okay. Um, you can use just any kind of a cleaner to clean your surfaces. I think it becomes much more necessary when you're in a public or work environment that you're cleaning surfaces. And I'm seeing people be more mindful in public arenas of cleaning surfaces, especially when I've been at my workplace. Everyone's wiping down their desks and wiping down the surface areas. But you know, also be aware that when you're pushing buttons in elevators or holding escalator handles, those are areas that can also transmit bacteria and viruses. So wash your hands or try not to touch those as much as possible. If you got to use an elevator, touch uh, the buttons with your elbow. Um, that there's just little things that you can do along the way. Um, but I think in our home environments, we are pretty safe as long as we're using the home isolation and our home protection um, behaviors. Um, again, we have just a couple of minutes left, and we appreciate this wonderful information coming from Carrie Pelicanis. She's the executive director of Connect Care, a telehealth program through Intermountain Healthcare. Before I let you go, as a healthcare provider, um, I know that you see that individuals like us are getting all kinds of information about how serious COVID nineteen is. Are we overreacting? Uh, you know, what should we be do? What What are some of the other things you would like to share with us about your vantage point of how we should be reacting to the the information we're, we're, we're being given about social distancing, et cetera. It's a lot of steps, but is it is it life-preserving? Is it important for us to be doing these? Absolutely. I mean, the, the vast majority of us, if we were to contract coronavirus, we would get through it just fine. But we can share it with other individuals that might be at risk. You, you mentioned yourself having a history of cancer. We, we don't want, I don't want to be responsible for getting you sick, and I certainly don't want to be responsible for getting my 84-year-old mother sick. So that's why we have to be cautious about not just protecting our own health, but making sure that we are not part of the problem as well by passing it along to others. And in reality, the, the things that we're talking about are just good habits day to day. It would be nice if during the cold and flu season everybody paid particular attention to hand washing or year-round, really, you know, proper hand washing techniques. Um, but it is a serious concern. It's a very serious concern for folks that are older or folks that have health conditions that might put them at risk. Um, and I think the best place for someone to look at for information, because you are absolutely correct, there is lots of information available in social media. You're getting messages from the news uh, media on the TV. The um, We have at Intermountain, if you go to the intermountainhealthcare.org front page, there's a COVID button there. Um, that links you to the Center for Disease Control information and that's the other resource, cdc.org, that I would refer folks to that is really kind of the, the gold standard of uh, information would come from the Centers for Disease Control. Anything else that you're reading or hearing about, um, you know, I would approach cautiously. But the Center for Disease Control has excellent information available for public use um, about what do you do if you do have to isolate yourself at home? What should you do to protect yourself in the event that you're concerned about coronavirus? And that information is free to the public. And as I said, you can either access it through the Intermountain Healthcare website or you can go directly through cdc.gov and get it um, in that manner. Very helpful. Again, that website is intermountainhealthcare.org. Carrie, I had one more follow-up question. When I was a little girl and we were on a journey, this is that joke I would say to my dad and my mom, are we there yet? Um, we are only now in the middle, right, of the first week of being told to stay in. So are we there yet? Or, Carrie, can you 
what what's your you know prognostics if you look ahead in other words should we anticipate that we may be making keeping some of these behavior changes in place for a little bit longer i would love to say we're there you know being the proverbial parent in the front seat and say yes we're almost there um but no we're not there yet and we're probably looking at um a relatively long stretch of concern I'm hoping that you know we won't be dealing with uh, prolonged social isolation, but we really don't know. And what we're doing is we're looking at other countries. Um, Italy is one that lots of people are paying attention to, and we're several weeks behind what they're experiencing in Italy. And so we're trying to learn from other countries that are either having positive successes in maintaining their exposures or who maybe not so positive successes and trying to find a way that we can stem the tide ahead of that. And so that's why you're seeing the closures that you're seeing and we're seeing the kids being out of school. Um, Is this going to be forever? No. Uh, But the longer that we adhere to the recommendations that the government and the CDC are giving us, the closer we can to becoming there. Well, that's, I appreciate that. That was perfect. Carrie, thank you again for this vital information. Carrie Palancanis, she's the executive director of Connect Care with Intermountain Healthcare. If you have more questions, not only is the Center for Disease Prevention, oh, CDC, Center for Disease Control, right? And did I yes. get that acronym? Okay. Uh, or go online to intermountainhealthcare.org. We also have connections um, to that information online on uh, 103.5, the Aero website, as well as fm100.com. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. My pleasure. Thank you. Carrie? Yes.